It's in Matthew chapter 28. In verse 18 to 20. If we all find the same man, I want to thank these wonderful men for rearranging upstairs. It looks so beautiful. Amen. Give them a hand clap, folks. Amen. I mean, it looks so beautiful. It looks so beautiful. And the rest is yet to be seen. Amen. amen. The decor, the decoration, and the amen. Better integration, better fellowship. Amen? Amen? Why didn't we see that before? But now we're seeing it. God knows how to open our eyes in a timely manner. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And God is well pleased when we do these things. Amen. Praise God. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. We're going to read together. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now that's the part of scripture nobody reads. Verse 20. That's where the line is drawn between a true apostolic and a pseudo-believer. We always say we're apostolic. We continued in the apostles' doctrine. We're following their model. Everything they did, we believe God told them to do it. And our job is to observe, I mean look, right? It's a command God gave to them. And we are supposed to observe and do what he told them. There is no new methodology. There's no new program, no new whatever. But the, the end of all this will be when Jesus comes, we all can't go to heaven, even though I wish we could. But those who followed what he commanded them. You know what a command is? It's not a suggestion. A command is not a suggestion. It's a, a demand. God, it's a military word. You're, you're commanded to do this. In other words, they have no option but to do, and we wouldn't know what that means except we track down what they did. And we said, here's a command. Here's the obedience to, the, to it. And then we must observe and follow in their steps. You may be seated. My title tonight is The Mission of the Church. The mission of the church. Amen. The mission of the church is not to go on the street and wave placards against governments or overthrow governments. <laughs> the Jew had a misconception why Jesus came in the world. The angel was very plain what his name meant. He didn't come to save them from Rome. He came to save them from their sins. That's what Jesus is involved in. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm here to save people from their sins. Not in their sins, but from it. Amen. Now, I'm going to say this up front. The church started, amen. It was promised in uh, the book of Matthew 16, 18. 
Talk about I'll build my church. I will build my church. And I will doesn't mean I have built it yet. I will. And he built it in Acts chapter 2. And we see the birth of the church with the apostles whom he commanded. He commanded them to stay in Jerusalem. They stay there. And the church got birth. And then propagate all through the book of Acts. All through the book of Acts to the last chapter. We read about Apostle Paul in Rome teaching, converting citizens of Rome and elsewhere and Jews, etc. The faith. We go into the epistles. And we see the continuation of the church as saints and believers are becoming grounded in the faith. They're being taught how to live for God, how to maintain their walk in fellowship with God. Obviously, they wouldn't know. And so that's the whole idea of the epistles was for the perfecting of the saints. Now, the reason why it's written down, the requirements are still the same. It doesn't change with generation, doesn't change with uh, political change of government. It's the same forever. It's settled in heaven. And then we read about the church in Revelation, the final place of the church. The seven churches really is only one church, but being seven location where the churches were in Asia. And God used them as a role model of how it's going to be just before he comes. And when you read the first three, four chapter Revelation, you read about the church since Pentecost, that's where they ended up. They started Acts 2, and look where they ended up. Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. Chapter 4, they're in heaven. Chapter 5, they're being rewarded. And in chapter 19 and 20, they're married to Jesus. So that's where the church is going. Now the question is, John said, I saw much people in heaven. How did they get there? Now, some people tell you, you will never go to heaven. God didn't promise you that. Well, they're lying. And when I use the word lying, I'm not being facetious or rude. The Bible used the word liars. The father of lies is devil. Amen. And anybody who does not confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God is a liar. The Bible says that. I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to be insulting or rude. It's a scripture. It says they are liars. Is that right? So I have a right to use that word. They're, they're liars. Okay. But how did they get to heaven? Well, you know, when the Bible says no man has ascended into heaven, only one person ever ascended into heaven on their own power, not counting angels. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. He stood on the Mount of Olives, and he went up as ascension. He went up on his own power. His own power. But don't forget, Enoch was taken by God to heaven. Long before Jesus came, don't forget Elijah was taken to heaven. So what are you going to do with that? And how do you explain Moses and Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration, talking to Jesus Christ? How do you explain that? So, all right, now you got five fingers. Hold them like this, please. Five fingers. It's going to be easy to remember. The thumb represents, I got to save myself. I'm going to save myself. That's my first mission. I'm going to save myself. This finger, i got to save my family. i got to save my family. i got to save my friends. 
And then I got to save the city I'm in. I'm going to save the country of the world where I'm in. Remember those. I got to save myself, save my family, save my friends, save the city I'm in, save the country, the whole world. That's your responsibility. You can. All right? So Jesus said, we must go and make disciples. Amen. In John 20 21, Jesus looked at the apostles and said to them, As my Father sent me, so send I you. Now, it's a job of a pastor or an apostle or a prophet or a teacher or whoever is in governance of the kingdom of God to really position and locate people where they can be of maximum benefit to the kingdom of God. They're different administrations, but by the same spirit. They're different offices. They're different calling. But all things are working together for one common good, the building of his kingdom like Noah's Ark. When, when it's finished, you're going to close the door. I said, that's it. I built my church. All right? Jesus said, so send I you. He's telling the apostle that I'm sending you out. Now, in the book of Matthew 10, the first six verses, when you look at it, he started out first with a limited commissioning. He commissioned the 70 to go out, or the 12, to go out and go not among the Gentiles. Jews only. Salvation is of the Jews. Go to them. And then he said, I sent you among scorpions, serpents, wolves. <laughs> now you're going to a hostile territory to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In other words, they're going to come after you. They're going to persecute you, prosecute you, and put some of you in prison, even murder some of you, mar martyr you. All right? But so said I you. He's sending his disciples as ambassadors of his kingdom. Ambassador is somebody who is not in their own country, but in the country of a foreigner. You cannot be an ambassador in your own country. If an ambassador in Canada, then I belong to another country beside Canada. But I represent the country I'm from to Canada. And so if you're an ambassador and you're given the message of reconciliation, then your job is to bring people back to God, back to Jesus Christ. So God is sending you go in all the world. Now that's a very different commission than the one in Matthew 10. Matthew 10, go only to the lost house of Israel. But now you got a global, worldwide mission. Go in all the what? World. Go in all the world. That means every country, nation, kingdom. He says, your mission is, Matthew 20, 19, 20, go in all the world and teach them. Baptize them. Tell them and teach them to observe all things I've commanded you. Most people think the things we believe and practice here 
are man-made. <laughs> and they said that's a man talking. And man, and of course it's a man talking. Gabriel's not down here. But we're telling you, if you'll just read with us a scripture, you'll find we're trying to follow what he says. You know, we take we do communion and we follow the methodology God gave us how to conduct communion. How should I baptize people? I wouldn't know how unless I observe how God commanded them to do it. And so we got dramas of them doing it in the book of Acts 2, Acts chapter 8 to 16, Acts 10, 44 to 48, Acts 91 to 16, it goes on. And we were told, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So you cannot have another program. So every person who wants to be a Christian must be taught to observe all that God command the apostles. All right? So in Mark 16, 15 to 16, he said, go in all the world. Now, it's amazing. He says, love not the world. Don't love the world, nor the things in the world. Right? Yet he's setting us in the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. He said, go in all the world. This time he says, preach. So every believer has a responsibility to teach and a responsibility to preach and teach the gospel to every person. Remember, myself, my family, my friends, the city, and where I live, my surrounding country. I have a responsibility. And missions come into the picture also. We got home missions where I live and foreign missions where I have to go to them. All right? He says here, go in all the world, preach to every creature. You cannot practice segregation. You cannot practice racism. You can practice elitism. You can practice culturism. You must touch everybody that comes in your way. Preach the gospel to every person, not just some, whether it be Muslim, Hindu, whatever, the Baptist over there, you got a responsibility to tell them what you know. He said, preach what? He that believeth. got to tell them this. He that believeth, not just one time believe, but believeth, and is baptized, how? Shall be saved. Didn't say are saved, but shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. That's not a curse word. It just means they're lost. In other words, when I'm teaching and preaching, I must tell people these things. So must you. So must a little kid. You've gotten the message. The message of reconciliation. Right? He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, that's plain. That's not my wishful thinking. And then we're going to Luke 24. This is the most powerful book I have found. I noticed a number of things in, in the Luke 24. First, he opened their eyes. He opened their heart. He opened the scripture. And that they may have understanding. He opened their understanding. So people need to have their eyes open. They need to have their understanding open. They need to have their heart open. And they need 
to have the scripture open to them. Otherwise, they're not going to be saved. Because if we don't see it, we're not going to believe it. If my understanding is unfruitful, I can't comprehend it. Don't make sense. If my heart is not open to it, I'm not receptive to it. Right? And the scripture is not revealed to us and open to us. It's just a bunch of words. Don't mean anything. Anybody can give their interpretation. But that's not true. Someone said, if I claim ignorance of scripture, everybody will forgive me. But if I claim ignorance of art, science, and technology, they'll think I'm goofy. <laughs> you know, they won't forgive you because you don't understand art, science, and technology. But if you say, I don't understand the Bible, say, okay, neither do I. And they'll dismiss it because it's not important to them. But us, we have the eyes of our understanding open. All right? Now, I should show you here, when we are witnessing, we are acts in this way. This is very important, Acts, the last chapter. And it's just a repeat of the book of Isaiah. Paul is not original with these scriptures. He's just repeating what was given to him in the Bible. All right? Acts chapter 28 and verse 26. In fact, verse 24, he was preaching to a number of people and trying to teach them and preach to them. And here's the response he received. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. You'll always have a divided heart, a divided house. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. They can't make sense of what you're saying. Oh, they heard you. They can't, doesn't mean, doesn't mean much at all. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now, that's very interesting. That's why people come to church and are not saved. They're fulfilling these scriptures. Some believe, and some believe not. It's a matter of the condition of their hearts. But you can't prejudge them and not tell them. That's not your place. You can only deposit the truth. And they have to decide if they will live it or not live it. You cannot make anybody live for God. This is not a shotgun wedding. <laughs> it's a free will. Whosoever will may come. May come. All right? Then he said, okay, I will go somewhere else, and they will hear it. So, because you reject it, doesn't mean everybody else will. Because you don't accept it, 
doesn't mean others won't accept it. Because you won't do it, doesn't mean I won't do it. It's a matter of the condition of what? My hearing, my understanding, my seeing, my heart, amen, and my eyes in the scripture. Same scripture. One person embrace it, another person erase it. Difference. Right? All right. So the great mission of the church is to go in and teach all nations. Most people will not let you teach them. They either know it all or have no interest in it or no time. But says after you teach them, the next thing going to come is the need for baptism. I can give an example. The guy in the wilderness, uh, the, the desert. Philip is talking to him about the Lord. He's reading the scripture, and he recognized his need for water baptism. Somewhere, Philip must have preached that to him, otherwise he wouldn't know. He just, just to get my premonition, this don't happen. Somebody have to teach us. Because he says, how can I, except some men teach me. And he began to teach him, right? All right? So we got to teach and preach. All right. Now, then it says in verse 48, and that repentance, Acts, I mean Luke 24, 48, He said, you're my witnesses, but go up about to verse 20, but verse 44. He said, these are the words which I speak unto you concerning that in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So we know the scriptures about Jesus and it's giving us direction what to do. Next verse, 45. Then he, notice here now, he opened their understanding. You ever teach somebody, and no matter what you say, they still can't see it? I mean, you could talk, talk all night, all afternoon, and they still can't put it together. And a good example is Matthew 24, 19 and 20. They can't understand it. That they may understand the scripture. You have to open the heart and their eyes and their ears for them to understand the scripture. Okay, next verse. And that, thus it is written, and thus it moved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance, repentance, we got to teach that. We have to, we have to teach and explain what repentance means. I mean, I can't go to my old life. And remission of sin, this is forgiveness. This is remission. That's exactly how we teach it here. That's Acts 2.38 right there. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. I don't care what your pedigree or your culture is, whoever is preaching to you must preach this same message. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. I don't care whether they get Greek or Hebrew, this is the message. Beginning at Jerusalem to the uttermost part of the earth, and Lord, I'm with you always. Now, that's what we are commissioned to do. You don't have a mission if you teach anything different. Now, people come and they argue with me, and I understand that. They did what Jesus do. I mean, 
<laughs> Israel argued with God too. <laughs> they're arguing with Moses, so who are we that they should argue with us too? Doesn't mean they're right. But we got to know what our mission is. Now, our mission is the church, first of all, is the body of Christ. The believers collectively is the body of Christ. This building is like a city of refuge. It's called a sanctuary because of the fact that man is in danger. Yeah, but uh, genocide and speeches are, are gone of the earth. Well, nuclear war is coming. And except Jesus Christ come, no flesh would survive. So, a sanctuary is a place for an endangered species, man. You are in danger. I'm in danger of the damnation of hell. And so God built a sanctuary where the devil can't get to us. The buffaloes in, in Buffalo Narrow, you can't go there and shoot a buffalo. It's illegal. But if they come outside of the fence, you can't shoot them because he's no longer under the protection of that fence. And when a Christian leave the faith and go back in the world, you're open season to the devil. He can do whatever he wants, you know, because you're, you're in his territory. But he can't come and pluck you out of the hand of Jesus. He has no other power. And so the church is the body of Christ. It's a city of refuge where you run and hide from your problems and situation. It's the house of prayer where you make intercession to God. We tell the newcomers that. you got to know what the church is all about. It's not because we call you, you should come. We don't, we don't have that power over you to make you come to church. But we're telling you why you come. You come because you want a city of refuge, a house of prayer, and you're in danger of what? Trials, temptation, tribulation, persecution, you name it, and all that. You go through that. Well, it's in the house of God you find strength. That's where you get fed. That's where you are well equipped to fight the devil. Because when a baby is just born, they have to be inoculated against the world system. Drugs go into them to stop them from getting disease. All right? There are seven things the church has for a purpose. When we save ourselves, save our family, save our friends, save the city, save our country and the world, what are we doing? These are guided hands of mercy. Touch somebody's life that they may not fall prey to the devil touch their lives remember now teaching them to observe I came in church and make changes but I did not know I need those changes until I was taught if I went and joined the army I would learn a lot of stuff I didn't learn it in my family and in society because they got protocols and they got teachers who teach you. Now, number one, Luke 19.10. The purpose of this church in this city is to seek and to save the lost. Every service we have, our goal is to save ourselves and them that hear us. That's our goal all the time. We have no other purpose. We don't need your money, your house, your car, your looks, or nothing else. We're trying to save you from hell, from the devil. 
and perdition. So the church purpose is to seek and to save that which is lost. Number two, Jude 1, 23, the purpose of the church, the mission, is to pull a person out of the fire, meaning hellfire. Don't forget, if you're not saved, the wrath of God is already on you. <laughs> you just don't see it. But you're already on the wrath of God. It's folly everywhere you go. Jesus said that. So our, our goal is to pull them out of the fire, hating even the garments parted by their flesh, like leprosy. Next verse. He can keep you from falling. God can keep you from falling. You don't have to surrender to the devil and to present you faultless, which you couldn't do on your own. But with God on you, once we pull you up, don't go back. And the Bible uses examples like this. A pig. You pull him out of, out of the mud, wash him down, he goes right back behind your back, back in the mud. I've seen it in the Caribbean where dogs return their vomit. I mean, I've seen that. Yucky. But they do it. I've seen dogs even they're young, you know, terrible, gross. But they do it. But God used that to teach us how gross sin look in his eyes. Now, in verse 22, Jude 1, 20, go there. Go to verse 21, please. Keep yourself of God, looking for the mercy for Lord Jesus Christ, unto eternal life. 22 says, and some have compassion. Everybody don't hear the same tone of message. Some people, God says, I can lead them with my eyes. Some with a still small voice. And some, I've got to put a hook in their nose and pull them. <laughs> Amen. And so some people, when you listen to them, they need to hear compassion. But not everybody compassion. Some folks need to hear something revolutionary to shut them out of their stupor. Right? Make a difference. Others say with what? Fear. When God said, well, I don't come to God because of fear, then you're dumb. I fear heights because I just my protect my fear protects me from falling off. My fear tells me I'm in trouble. Get away from there. If I don't get away, I'm gonna pitch forward and fall down. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments part by the flesh. So the job of the church, when we talk to somebody privately or openly, we're trying to pull them out of the fire and they don't know it. All right? Now, point number three, when our divine purpose is to turn people from the powers and dominion of Satan. Go to Acts 26, 18. God want me to open their eyes with the scripture. Turn them from darkness to light. Turn from the powers of Satan to God. Why? that they might receive forgiveness of the sins they're committing and have inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. So we're not being going to talk to you about Jesus or somebody's trying to teach you or witnessing to you. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. 
They're trying to give you a release from the powers of Satan. The fourth thing, our purpose is, in verse 18, the same, same scripture, we have to open their eyes. So turn from the power of Satan. Keep it on the board, please. Turn from the power of Satan. Number four, open their eyes to the truth. If you have the wrong Bible, you can't end up with the right results. It's just impossible. Garbage in, garbage out. The fifth thing we're trying to do is in verse 18, to turn people from the powers of darkness of Satan to light. Verse 18. So you see, folks, uh, don't shove your religion on me. Don't Bible thump me. Well, what they're saying is, let me die lost. Leave me alone. My mind's made up. I want to go to hell. Keep killing my life. I want to go there. What's your problem? Leave me alone. And by right, you're supposed to leave them alone. Jesus said leave them alone. That's what they want. Okay, point number six, same verse. And that they may have forgiveness of sins. Why? Because after death, and we're all going to die, come judgment. Unrepentant sin is a debt you owe, not paid. And Jesus Christ came and died for our sins, and yet you didn't benefit from that? Something is wrong. Because if the gospel of this message is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. That's not good. Somebody didn't help you. I told you before, John the Baptist's disciples said, we haven't even heard whether they're being Holy Ghost. Well, somebody quit preaching it. If your kids aren't brought up with rule and discipline, they won't have any. Well, they're not any by themselves. <laughs> they came in this world, they have no idea what the rules are. You got to teach it to them. You know, a person said, well, you know, kid, do you want to go to Sunday school? What's an unfair question? First of all, the kid doesn't know what Sunday school is. The kid don't know the benefits of Sunday school. Like asking a kid, do you only want McDonald's only? What about nutrients? That kid don't know. Oh, they may like what you give them, but it's hurting them. You have to make that rational decision for this child. Amen. To do the right thing. And when they grow old, they will have the rhythm and the path already chosen for them so they won't depart from it and eat a bunch of junk food. Right? Forgiveness. They need it. A person without forgiveness live in shame and condemnation, guilt, fear, heartaches, always feel unworthy. And the devil just use it and tear them down. They end up committing suicide, which is ten times worse. Now that's that is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. They messed up, kill themselves, and have no idea where they're going. <laughs> At least here you know where you are. But when you die, you leave this life. Where are you going after this? Well, you don't know. But the Bible tells you you're going to hell or heaven. We hope you go to heaven. We can't get there without being born again. The seventh reason for divine person of this church is to save them that hear us. Everybody won't hear us.
1 Timothy 4.16. If you don't go to church, you will not hear the word of God. If you don't attend class, how do you expect to pass? The lecture went and you weren't there. And the exam is given. You have no re recall. What can you recall? You had no nothing in there. Empty mind. Empty, right? So, let's look at the scripture here. Take heed. This is the person who's witnessing now. When I'm witnessing to my family, my friends, the city, and the others around me. I got to make sure that I'm continuing the doctrine. That's when I preach and teach to others, I'll be cast away. Because there are people who witness to others who get saved, but they themselves were not saved. and never got saved. They died lost. Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. Listen now. For thou shalt both save thyself and them that what? So, this is not a one-time thing. You got to teach yourself. Can I say amen? So what's the purpose of the church? Go teach. Go preach. Go make disciples. You're not supposed to keep this to yourself. It's illegal to do that. You have a responsibility placed on you. The, the more knowledge you have is the more responsibility on you. To whom much is given, much is what? Expected. Everybody who lived for God was influenced by somebody. You may not want to admit that, but somebody influenced you to check it out. And either you got in or you didn't get in. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. In Matthew 13, Jesus, and you should read this for yourself when you have time, already forecast what the church will experience on earth in earth. The church is the kingdom of God on earth, in earth. When I go and you go, you try to witness to somebody or a friend, you can only expect four types of people. There are only four types of people in the earth. Never mind what Freud said and Maslow and Skinner and Rogers and all that, guys. That they speak of the world. But to redeem time, Jesus explained what those four types are like. Verse 18, chapter 13. This is Jesus now explaining why he said what he said. Now verse 15 is what Paul just told us in verse 14 and 15. Exact scripture. But this time it says heal them. So I found out that a sinner need to be healed of their past because they live there in depression they live there in anxiety they're hurting hear therefore the parable of the sower now I went out I'm trying to reach my family trying to reach my friends, my workmates but the word I know all I know, I'm not a preacher I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet I'm just a believer with a message when one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, then cometh the wicked one. See that right here? The wicked one come 
and catcheth away that which was sown in their heart. This is he that received this the seed by the wayside. In other words, I've seen it happen so often. I could show them 15 references to the Bible and didn't mean a thing. Why are certain people refuse to obey the apostolic doctrine of baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost? They're not interested. And the devil does not want them to know. He blinds their minds, blinds their eyes, and they don't realize it. Revelation 20 says, and the devil that deceiveth the whole, how many? How many? How many? Nobody here believes that. You can't find one person on earth to, to believe that they are deceived. No, we're smart cookies. We got it all made. We know, we, we know what we're talking about. But Jesus says, no. The word is presented. It didn't deposit their heart because they're shallow. They're stony places. It takes no, doesn't reach your heart at all. This here, it went through one ear. And the, the birds come and pick it up. As soon as they leave you, they forget everything you've said. I've seen it all the time. In home Bible study, even in teaching in church, it happens all the time. So you got to realize when the church got to reach out to souls, people hear. Now, so I said, Pastor Dean, why counsel so-and-so? Well, I could counsel them I fall dead. It's not going to change them. They have to choose to obey or disobey. And if I don't realize that pretty soon, I'm going to wear myself out. Because I can't make them. They've got to decide to obey that former doctrine from the heart. Now, the next kind of person you're going to reach out there is called in verse 20. But he that receiveth the seed in the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, he heard it, and quickly, with joy, receiveth it. He's an emotional hearer. He hath not root in itself, endure for a while. But when trials and tribulation and persecution come because of the standard of holiness and righteous living for the gospel's sake, because of the word, they are offended. <coughs> so, people going to teach and preach are going to be offended at what's going on in their life. But at the same time, it's the same seed. So what's happening is the seed is classifying the quality of person we're talking to. You don't prejudge them. You just throw the seed out there. And you have no idea who's who until the root structures start taking place. Amen. But that's not all. These are the offended ones. So they get offended and they don't come back. You don't see them again. Jesus preached a message. They're offended and they walk out on him and left. All right, verse 22. He also that received the seed among the thorns. Well, is he that heareth the word and the care of this world 
and the seedfulness of riches choke the word and he become unfruitful. In other words, my job, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my whatever. Blame something, anything. I can't come. I don't have time. That's not my priority, one guy told me. That's low priority. I don't, if I have time, I don't do that. You know. And so what happened to this group here is they are choked. Every ounce of oxygen that's in them is choked out. And they died. Shriveled right up. And they don't continue. Now we're, those three kind of people will not be seen in our pews for long. They have a short half-life. They continue for a while, but they disappear. Because they're not grounded, rooted, firmed. Amen. But all, this, all the time, Jesus is allowing this to happen because even though he has foreknowledge that you won't make it or you will make it, he will not judge you on that basis. You have to live out your situation. Well, I can't live for God because of my husband or my wife or my job. Well, can you tell God that? On the highway, can you blame everybody else for your accident? Will that work? Not necessarily. No. You have a responsibility to obey the law of driving. And what God is saying is, people who don't survive witnessing when the church reaches out. So the church must not become discouraged when you talk to somebody and they shut you off. You know what you're dealing with. Get up and move on. Somebody else. Amen. Next one, when they found out what it takes to live for God, the cost of building the building, the cost of discipleship, they said, I'm not prepared to do that. Bye. They're gone. And usually the rich young ruler finds something else. He never had eternal life, but he found something else. Amen. All right? And then the last, the, the third one is the one that says, well, you thought for sure this was going to live for God. The God root goes down, but when, when time comes to live for God, Something comes up. Oh, 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 oh. Pastor Neil, do I have to do this? Do I have to come? Is this required of me? What about this? And I know where they're going. <laughs> they want to tell me, you know, I don't believe it. I'm not interested in that. Amen. And they become unfruitful. Unfruitful mean the 15th chapter of the book of uh, John. They do not win anybody to God because they haven't changed. It is your change of dress and behavior and belief that make people notice you. Come on now. For the world to observe you, you have to look different. If you look like they look, let's go to a movie downtown. And this church let out at the same time. And all we men and women come out and we look the same. Well, nobody see you as a candle on a hill. 
you blend right in with the darkness. People look at that which is peculiar, different. And that's why Christians have to teach these, these people coming in the difference between the holy and the unholy, between the profane and the righteous. If they don't know it, they're going to do the wrong stuff. You can't get stop slapping a kid for breaking the saucer. You never taught them that they shouldn't do that. Don't touch. Don't touch. If you do, bang, 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 bang. Consequences. So we teach that for every decision we make, there are, there are consequences. And well, why are all this happening to me? Well, guess what? It comes with the faith. You rob God, you suffer. You commit adultery and fornication, you suffer. This is automatic. You lie, you pay the price. This is automatic. You broke the stoplight, they charge you. <laughs> Why should we straight with the church? God says the way of sin is death. The church can't decide not to teach that. We gotta teach it. But we're not responsible for how they receive it, as long as we make it presentable to them. Teaching the truth in love. Right? All right? But here's what happened. The fourth ground, and you can tell who the fourth ground are. These are the retainers. These are the that stays and hang around. And when Jesus asked the question, when everybody's leaving, will you go also? <laughs> Peace to the Lord. Where? We're here because you alone have the word of eternal life. We're, we know why we're here. We're here for eternal life. We're here for truth. Not the building, not a friendship club, not a sorority or a fraternity. I'm here, I want to hear preaching, teaching. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to follow him and let my life conform to his teaching and, and leading. That's why I'm here. So the church, he says, the good ground with an honest heart, that means the fourth ground, I've been through all those three cycles and survived. You've got to be a survivalist. It's nice to get started, but it's better to finish. Anybody can start, but take the brave and the strong to continue. Let's worship God. Praise God. So what's the purpose of the church? The mission of the church is to sow the seed. Now, if you read on chapter 13 of, of Matthew more, you'll find about the wheat and the tares. Everybody on pews are not equal to God. We all look the same. It's like the five foolish virgin and the five wise virgin. You could not tell by externals. But there were five foolish among them. They all look alike. They all had vessels. All share the same expectation. But what they were doing, their action was different. One took oil, and the other did not. They knew they needed it. They could have bought it, but they didn't do it. They chose not to. You see, people don't realize you could drop dead tonight. Your fate is determined. <laughs> you couldn't change nothing if you want to. 
all of a sudden, Jesus became a judge. In this world, he's a savior. But the moment we die, he's a judge. He says, they shall not enter in. And he meant that. But Jesus, Lord, Lord, he says, forget about it. I don't know you. <laughs> in other words, we don't have a relationship going. So I've gone to teach Bible studies in homes and places. And I've experienced wheat and tares experience. After we teach the truth in a home Bible study or a group study, as soon as we leave, guess who showed up? The serpent. God just told Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat, thou shalt surely die. As soon as God left, what happened? Satan showed up. What did he say? You will not surely die. In other words, we can give you heaven at a lower price. Islam says, kill as many as you want, and you're guaranteed heaven. Well, they teach that. They do. The people believe that. At least they believe that. And they believe the reward will be accordingly. And they said the best death to die is a jihad death. So they all want to die jihad. They want to go to heaven like you and me. They don't want to go to hell. They want to go to heaven. But they teach it another way. So why so many religion? You know, I got some books I wrote, and I don't think you're all ready for it. And I can't give it to visitors because I didn't write it for visitors. I write it for saints to read. Just to make you understand what you're dealing with. And the multiplicities of tares. Tares are many. It choked the wheat. Every farmer's field has tares. I don't care how good he is, the tares will come up and outgrow the wheat and cover it up. And most time when you look at Christians, you see the wicked prosper. You're not. They don't have problems you have. But why? Because the devil is not fighting them like he's fighting you. And once you become a Christian, you become more aware of the struggle that you never had. Because before, you just, he said, jump, you said, oh, hi, you jump. No problem. Smoke, you smoke. Fornicate, you just fornicate, no resistance. But now you start saying no. He's saying, just a minute, I'm the boss. Who have you been talking to? <laughs> right? And he comes at you, and that's where the struggle starts. Amen. The choking starts, and the tares will outgrow it seemingly. But it says it's the devil that sowed them. And how do you feel when people come and say, I'm going to heaven, and I'm not doing one half of what you're doing? You can fall for that lie. You can fall for that lie. I've never seen a dope pusher that don't have lots of money. Most time, more money than they can spend. The trunk of their car is filled with dollar bills. Amen. But it's dirty money. And you have to work hard at McDonald's to make two ends meet. But I know the scripture. The little that the righteous hath 
is better than the riches of the wicked. All right? So, are you a wheat or a tear? Well, I used to see my grandmother, she have a, a sieve, and she does this with rice and blow. Shake it up like this, like a sieve, and lift and, and throw it in the air and blow hard. And whatever blowing away, she don't want it. Whatever stays behind, that's what she does, keep. And this church is no different from any other church. There's always the wind of doctrine blowing. Amen. So the question to ask you tonight is, how long will you last? Ask the person beside you, how long will you last? Come on, turn and ask somebody a question. How long will you last in this faith? No. I, as a pastor, wish to God you last forever. But parents, I don't care how much you love your children. There comes a time when you cannot rescue them. You cannot, what? It's called tough love. <coughs> Luke chapter 14, 23. How to find a prospect? Well, first, who are you looking for? But strangers are found in the highways and the byways. Where? And compel them to what? To come. Man, you're forceful. Yes, God says I should compel you to come. Acts 5.42. They went from house to house. House fellowship. We started in McMurray by first visiting homes. Long flick into our building. It's first friendship, fellowship, and then discipleship. Write that down. If you're going to win anybody, it start with friendship, and then fellowship, and then discipleship. Any other way, it will not work. You won't win anybody. Because people don't want to know how much you know is how much you care. Let's go for coffee. When I was in Edmonton. I want more people that way, go to the cafeteria, go buy coffee with them and drink coffee with them. I pay the shot. We talk, 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 talk. Do they have to be in church to hear the gospel? No! The gospel can be heard anywhere they are. Anytime, any place. Acts 5.42. Acts 2.46. They had house fellowship. I call it cell ministries. Acts 4, Acts 18, 26. I like this. Friendship, fellowship. Here's a guy. He only know half the message. Do not take from people what God did for them. You don't have to be safe for God to bless you. Or for God to heal you. How else are you going to know God? God wants to prove himself to you. But some folks mistaken that to be salvation. No, he's trying to make himself known to us by the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Acts 18, 26, a guy called Apollos, amen, knows so much but not all the truth. This couple, a wife and husband, team is very powerful. My wife and I all work together and, and win souls. And uh, they took him home. They said, man, I like what you're saying. And they were positive. Come to dinner with us. 
And once they brought him home, they explained to him what they heard and showed him more perfectly what it was like him. And he was so sincere, he received it. And turn around and become a champion of their faith. You never know who you're winning. That person you win may be the next pastor of the church, the apostle, the prophet, or the evangelist, or the teacher. You never know. Amen. You don't give up sin and lose with God. You don't give up a boyfriend and lose with God. God give it better than the one you had. God give you a better family. I see God's married girl with five kids. He didn't care how many kids she's got. He just loved her. <laughs> and he loved her, so he loved the kids. Hallelujah. Because God gave favor to people. When you let go of sin, God give you blessings. But you hang on to that sinful boy, sinful girl, you go to hell with them. And they're going to mock you in hell and say, why did he do that for me? I didn't know you had all that. Because you found the pearl of great price. Amen? Acts 18, 27, 28. Now it says here, when he got converted, he turned around and publicly declared the gospel. The best way to retain what you have is to give it. The best way of learning is to teach what you were taught. When I first got saved, I didn't know a lot of scriptures, so I wrote it in front of my Bible, Acts 2.38, Acts 8.16. You know, I know it now. I memorize it. I memorize it. On the job, I used to memorize it while I'm walking. I'm memorizing it. da 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 da, da. Then test it out. da 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 And so it kept in my memory. So it's locked in there now. You know what I'm saying here? But I, I had to conscious effort to do it. It stayed with me. And that's how come I know where they're found. Because I just memorize it. Because why not? I want to be a workman, not ashamed before God. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is the one I love. Oh, I love this one. This is the best church in the Bible. And my dream is that this church will be that church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. Paul said, these people that he won to the Lord became soul winners. He went away, and when he came back, the church is packed with people, converts. And the new converts is telling how these present saints brought them in and was bragging on the message. And Paul said, when I came, there's nothing for me to say. You have done it all. That's every pastor's dream church. This was a productive church. They were so winners. All of Asia heard because of them. They impacted people. Just like Aquila and Priscilla and Apollos. I was thinking this week of my life how God immortalized the name Titus and Timothy. Like he did the name Jeremiah and Ezekiel. I don't even think those boys know that their names are immortalized. You can't take up your Bible without saying Timothy. Titus. Because God immortalize them because of the the fruitfulness of these men amen all right number seven win your family members to god you should not go there and blow up your family that's not the way to do it 
you can do a lot more winning of them to God by being an example than threaten them with hell. Don't threaten anybody with hell, but let them know it's where everybody goes who don't live for God. But it's not your will that they go there. It says here in chapter 1 and verse 42, this brother found who? In First John, I mean St. John, chapter 1, verse 442. Philip and Andrew and James, they won each other. It says, and followed and Andrew, Peter's brother, make verse 41, please. He found first his brother, Simon, and said, You know, you know what I found? I found the pearl of great price. Which, is not this the Messiah? He won his family. Verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. And when he beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon. And he called his name. Look, but who brought him to Jesus? You don't know who you bring to Jesus. I'm going to tell a story I heard, and I don't mean to be rude or to be uncultured or anything off, off the cuff. But this guy was evangelizing, speaking to our church, and uh, not here, but in Edmonton, was telling about this girl, she was a streetwalker, sex trade, and the pimp controller, he controlled her, used her as a slave, and somebody witnessed to her, and she came in and got saved, and she got radical for Jesus. Her whole life was changed, her whole demeanor. One day she went downtown, and he's trying to bring her back to the old way she used to live. And she walked up to him and she pointed to him. She said, let me tell you something here. I found somebody bigger than what you have in your trousers. <laughs> bigger and better. You know what she's saying? I'm no longer your tool, your slave. I found the answer. And you won't get me back in your lifestyle. Amen. All right. Then we have here First uh, John 1, I mean St. John 1, 45 to 48 goes there. Another person finding another person. Philip found Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel is a skeptic. He's religious but lost. And he's actually self-righteous. And Philip said, hey, we found what you're looking for. He said, come on now. No good thing can be in that cultic group. And Philip says, well, I'm not going to argue with you. Just come one time and see for yourself. And when he came, Jesus saw him and began to talk to him. He said, ooh, you're the Messiah. He said, why do you believe? Hallelujah. Amen. But you see what can happen? You can blow it or you can grow it. It depends on how you handle the situation. You have to ask God for wisdom when you're teaching. Lord, make sure they understand, please. You never teach somebody without praying for them in your heart and desire for them to have the knowledge. You're not there to win an argument or a conversation. I want to win that soul to Jesus. That's our mission. John 4.29. This woman is Samaria. Jesus Christ knew she'd be a great soul winner. And he knew why he called you. Now, folks... Somebody going to teach you about purpose, divine purpose. God called you for a purpose. You may not think so. 
And whatever's in your life may be a stumbling block, but the day you move that out of your life, you'll see your purpose. You'll see your, your, your real reason why God brought you. You know, people say they cannot live without cigarettes and drugs and alcohol. But I noticed one thing. When they die, there's nobody put in the coffin a labas, a pack of cigarettes, the needle, any drugs that used to do. And all the things they couldn't give up to live for God, they had to give it up to die. And they will never continue that drug habit they had for eternity. Don't you think it's a lot more profitable if you give it up and get a reward for it? Then die by it and be damned by it? Think about it. Well, he said, come and see. Come and see. But she brought <laughs> the whole city. Sometimes the best people to win for God is the one that nobody wants. The one in Samaria. The apostles don't want her. They want to call fire and burn at that place. He said, oh, no. I want that lady. I want her. I know what's in that lady. If I could just turn her around, I know she'd be a vessel of honor. And you know what she said? Come see a man! Unashamedly. She's making a big scenery out of what she's found. And everybody, look around. What's going on, lady? Says, I found Messiah. Is not this the Christ? He just told me everything I did wrong in my life. Some folks say, well, Pastor Neil, you only preach what others told him to preach. Well, if that's what you believe, keep believing that. You believe a lie and be damned, go ahead. But I believe there's a God who knows where you are. And reads your heart. And to discern if your thought and the intent. And can figure out what you need to know. That's what makes him so different from idolatry. Praise God. She brought the whole city at the feet of Jesus. Then we come to Acts 10. 20. Here is a man in his house doing the best he can. And how do you know people out in the city doing the best they can? All they need is a visit from God and you. God wants to do it by himself. God use us to be labor with him. And Cornelius is praying, and God says, Cornelius, Cornelius, I heard you, I heard you, but you're not saved. You need help. Send for Peter. Hello? And he immediately searched out and found Peter. And God never led him astray. I don't believe God can lead you into a trinity of gods. I'm sorry. You had a lying spirit somewhere. You came out in the Bible. It says God is one. The Holy One of God. Somebody deceived you. Because nowhere is that word even found in the Bible. Not even implied. Jesus is not second person.
we have the leading of the Spirit. God can lead you to people in restaurants, your workplace, wherever you are. It's a mission field. Wherever you stand, it's a mission field. Only one thing will stop us, shame of the gospel. But that person beside you have a right to know what you've found. You found the pearl of great price. You found the answer. At least I think you have. Amen. Acts 8, 26, 29. Here is Philip at a great revival as a deacon. And God moved out of his comfort zone and said, go to the desert and join yourself to this guy. He's hungry for truth. Give it to him. Do what? Give it to him. But God, I'm having a great revival. I'm baptizing people. I said, no, go down. Church, we have Fort Mackay, Fort Chip. That's where we are. Jean Ver, that's our arm's length reach. Other cities got Westlock, Edmonton, amen, Morinville. We're not there, so it's hard for us to reach down there. But where we are, we can sign for God. Because we got a message and a method. And we know what time it is. And if we don't tell people, then we are robbing them of eternal life. All right, led by the Spirit. So Philip went there and touched an African man, and he got converted to the Lord. All right? Let's look at some method used in the Bible in carrying out your great commission. Acts 8, 29, he says, go join thyself to that chariot. Join yourself. Don't be so stuck up holier than thou. Don't outdress them so that they feel intimidated by your dress code. Focus on the heart before you focus on the, the hair and the ears. Because change from the inside out. Acts 18.26. Take that person out or home. Take them aside and expound more carefully. The vestibule is not a place to do it. A showmanship you know, won't work. All right, number three. Luke 14.23. Compel them to come. Strong word. Compel them to come? Yes. Compel them to come. Number four, Proverbs 11.26, use wisdom. God, how can I bring this person over to the truth? I know they got the wrong Bible, but do I need to attack the Bible? You think if they knew it was wrong that I bought it? No. They're sincere when they bought it. But when they start reading and see the differences in the reading, then they ask you, and then you with humility explain to them that you can't find everything for Jesus there, back to the original. Amen. And if you're a student of God's word, you will know what to say and how to say it, because the Holy Ghost will bring back to you. Now the apostles, they asked God, point number five, for boldness, to be a missionary for God. You have to go to overseas or Europe or Africa or Asia to be a missionary. You can be a missionary right here in town. Amen. In area five, area six, area one, you should be a missionary for God. Acts 4, in verse 13, 
29 and 31, they ask for boldness. Because the devil used intimidation to stop us. He will intimidate you. Well, I don't want to talk about Jesus because nobody like Jesus. Well, you do like Jesus. Amen. Point number six, 2 Corinthians 5 and 11. In companion scripture, Acts 18, 4. The power of persuasion. We don't win people with a knife or bombs. We win them by the power of persuasion. Knowing the terror coming, we persuade our friends to believe. We persuade you to believe. John 1, 41 to 42, bring them. They won't come. Go fetch them. Turn your car into a soul mobile. That's why God gave it a car. Whatever you have, God gave it to you to use for his kingdom. Not just for you to have by yourself. Amen. Don't brag on yourself. Brag on Jesus. Tell why God healed you. And by the way, we're going to reap as we sow. Acts 6 and verse 7. God brought the increase. They sowed and there's an increase. Amen. Now you boys that preach on Friday, Sunday night, don't just preach to us alone. Bring your friends. After a while, I will not let you preach unless you bring your friend. Your friend needs to hear you preach. And until you can win them to come to hear, I would say, you got nothing going. Bring your friend. And if you don't have a friend, says, well, I can't preach tonight until I bring my friend. And if you don't have a friend coming, that leads you into a prayer meeting where you start praying and crying out to God. When people weren't getting saved, I cried. I bawled. I said, God, I can't come to you empty-handed. And when God sees that you're being business, he will open doors. If you don't witness and try to bring it, they will not come. Amen. Praise God. I don't want to preach to the pews and to the converted or the choir. I want to preach to those who don't have Jesus. Acts 5, 14. It says, God began to add to the church daily such as should be saved. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. They were multiplied. I like that. No decrease, increase. So, and that your fruit remain. Increase, added, multiples. Amen. God wants you to increase and add and multiply. You know what, church? When you and I leave this earth, we better leave some people behind that we brought to church. When Dorcas died, she left behind some handkerchief. She left her thumbprints. Amen on the faith and they cried over it before i close tonight mark 1 4 to 3. i love this guy i can't stand why jesus told him not to do it but he did it anyhow jesus says, don't tell anybody what i did for you and he went away read on and start doing what he published it much insomuch that Jesus could not function this guy was badgering Jesus badgering Jesus come see this guy look what it did for me if you are proud of your change and what God did for you here 
you will bring friends. Praise God. You bring others. Oh, we can come here and testify. Oh, it's to the choir. What about to those who don't know the truth? That's where my testimony means the most. You must follow Mark 5, 20. In chapter 7, 36. Tell what God did for you. Amen? All right? Finally, it says that the word of God was published. Acts, 5, Acts 13, 49. You know why I wrote books? Because I figured, well, Lord, a lot of things I wanted to know, I didn't get a chance to know it because it wasn't always taught consistently because they needed the church to come first. But there's a systematic study. Amen. And I, I was determined. I want to make an impression on the kingdom of God before he comes. I want to leave something behind that I can say I was here. I want to hear that Jean Ver received the word, Acts 8, 14. It says, let's stand. Samaria received the word. It was beautiful to hear in Acts eleven eighteen. Oh, God grant repentance. God grant repentance to them. Now, this church, if we're going to make it, folks, we have to have all things in common. This church has to have unity of faith and beliefs. Nobody is superior to anybody. It has to be a multicultural church with intentional evangelism. Amen. Praise God. We've got to reach every like person like they did. They reach Europe, Samaria, Asia, bond-free, wise, normal barbarians, and others. And then one thing in common, the gospel. Everything was in common. Church, God wants you to bring fruit and let your fruit remain. God wants you to be used of God. Don't be a bench warmer. What can I do to improve this church? Can I win the next organist? The next banjo player? Saxophone player? What are you praying for? Can I raise up the next apostle, prophet, teacher? I don't know. But God used me. Yesterday, my wife and I, and I was in a place, and this girl was wide open. And boy, we went after her with everything we got. Right there where we were in place of business. And she was just as hungry as we were to tell her what we know. Unashamedly. Hallelujah. And the next thing I want is her phone number. And take our phone number. And I'm going to follow up and call up and see what's going on. And pray night and day for them to be saved. Praise God. Salvation is not an accident. It's a mission. Paul was saved by Ananias. Because God says he's a chosen vessel. Let me ask you tonight. How many of you really know why God saved you? Apart from going to heaven. That's just a second benefit. But that's not why he saved you. He saved you for a purpose. 
You've got to pray to find out that purpose. And it tells you in John 50, if you ever read for yourself, it says, for this cause and for this purpose God brought you in. You have to live up and live out that purpose. Would you bow your heads right now? Don't underestimate your personal testimony. Long before you know the Bible inside out, nobody can match you telling your personal conversion. What took place in your life? How did you got in? What did you discover? What has God done to make you believe what you believe? Every time they accosted Paul, he didn't go into theology. He went and said, I was on the Damascus journey. Every time they confronted him, he said, I was on the Damascus journey, and I heard a voice from heaven. He said, I heard a voice from heaven. He says, I have not been disobedient to heavenly vision. Which of those ground are we tonight? I want to believe because you're here tonight, you must have been the fourth ground because one, two, three are not going to be here. You know why, don't you? But number four, we know why they're here. Lord Jesus, thank you for committing to us.